Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to another edition of IGN Unfiltered, our monthly interview series where I have the pleasure and honor of sitting down with the best, brightest, and most fascinating minds in the games industry. And this month, I am very pleased to be joined by Mike Wang, the longtime gameplay director on the NBA 2K series. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It is, is so great to have you here. Uh, you've, you're coming off yet another successful year with, uh, with 2K19. And the, the thing that when I started doing my research to have you in here, I th- the first thing that really came to mind, I mean, we'll talk about the game itself, but I want to start here. Like, the fact that 2K, NBA 2K has just managed to make the leap into being a part of NBA culture mm-hmm. in a way that I feel like most other video games, sports or otherwise, like Fortnite would be the only other one that, that comes to mind, but your, your game is a part of the NBA community. It's talked about all the time. How do you think that happened? I don't know. It's, um, it's pretty wild. I mean, it's not just NBA culture. I think it's just the culture yeah. in general. Like you say 2K, those two, those two things. 2K, everyone knows what you're talking about. NBA, yeah. 2K basketball. And it's, you know, people stop me sometimes in movie theaters in the street and say, hey, I love your game. And it's just kind of wild, you know. It's a weird, a weird place to be. Just, uh, I don't know, it just kind of took off over the last few years. Was, I mean, was there a concentrated effort to, to make that happen? Or you guys think, like, how do, we, how do we make this, like, how do we break out of mm-hmm. just the, the, the gaming sphere and into, into culture? Or does it, is it all just a happy accident? Probably a little, bit, a little bit of both. Um, I'm not a marketing guy, but I know that those guys talk a lot about just how to get into the mind share of consumers and into you know the basketball culture and the culture at large. Yeah. And so I'm I'm in my lane, working on gameplay and just do my best to make the game. And just outside of it, uh, just it's growing. And you know, we at the end of the year, we just get a chance to look up and uh, talk to fans and see what their the reception of the game is. And it just blows us away just how many people love the game and how passionate people are about 2K. And then, and, you know, these days you guys have, have uh, player numbers just instantaneously, right? Because you can see every, every connected player. So you, you yeah. kind of get a good idea right away of, of how things are going every year. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Just the, the growth that the game has seen over the past few years is just is insane. I don't know if anyone's ever really, is really forecasted that it would take off as it had, but it's, it's, it's great, and, and we're very happy about it. What, uh, all right, time. Let's talk turkey. What, what NBA players do you text with? Drop some names. Because I know you, you've got to have some context. Some I, no, guys that maybe came in to do motion capture and love the game. You yeah. know, we've heard in the, like, guys like Kevin Durant plays all the time, loves the game. Like, who, who's in that phone of yours? I think they're bothering Ronnie more than me. Um, uh, Dar- Darren Collison's one guy that comes up a lot. Uh, him and uh, a couple of his Pacers teammates, they, they, they'll... They'll text and just say like, "Hey, can you can you hook us up with um, you know our players and um, up our stats?" And <laughs> so it's it's just a great relationship that we have with, with a lot of the players in the league, and, and it's just cool too is how how passionate they are about the game, how much they love it, and how much they they're just fans of of two K. So. I don't want to drop too many names, but I don't have the, I don't have any. It's really Ronnie. Ronnie's the guy who's talking to all the players. It's fair enough, but you know, you, but yeah, you're. I guess you're the guy with the keys to the kingdom, though, as the gameplay director. So I would think they would be hitting you up, saying, "Oh, you know, come on, I, I had a good season. Let's seventy-eight. What? How can I have an overall rating of seventy-eight? Well, I don't do ratings either, so I can I can push that off to another guy. It's like, oh yeah, don't talk to me. I don't I don't do ratings. Uh, so. Mike, like, how, how did you fall in love with basketball? Like, at what point in your life did it uh, did it all sort of come in for you? I'm always curious, as sort of the, yeah. the the superhero origin story, as it were. Right. Yeah. For me, it was definitely the Michael Jordan era. So I got into hoops probably uh, late '80s, yeah, uh, early '90s, um, around the time when Jordan's getting his first championship, and um, you know, they're going for their their repeat, threepeat, and all these things. And for me, it just I think with everybody, I think, you know, going back to those days, you kind of forget just how great MJ was. Um, and he just took the world by storm. Um, 
He was in the league for a while before that, but when he actually started to become popular and everyone yeah. was talking about his shoes and you know and everything, just he kind of exploded. And for me, it was watching "Come Fly with Me" and Michael Jordan's playground, and I would just watch him over and over again, just studying his moves and like, I just, you know, want to be like Mike, just yeah. like everybody else. Are you from kid. Chicago? I'm from St. Louis, okay. Missouri, and we didn't have a team, right? So the my the Chicago was like the closest, you know, closest team that we had that was like geographically great, geographically. Geographically close, yeah. and yeah, and everyone loved the Bulls because they were winning, and MJ was killing everybody. So, yeah. <laughs> did you ever get easy. to see him play in person? I did. Um, uh, my roommate and I got some scout tickets uh, for a preseason basketball game right on the on the end line. Wow! Uh, in Chicago Stadium, actually, was it Chicago Stadium or United Center? I think it might have been United Center at the time. It was like during college, my college years. Yeah. So that was my one and only time seeing MJ live, and. Um, he had one amazing dunk that game, which I did not see. Oh, no. I looked down. And I don't know what I was doing. I was just looking down yeah. for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden, the crowd's just going nuts. And I look up, and I'm like, I can't believe I just missed that live. It was <laughs> that's, just, that's pre-cell phone. What's your excuse? I know. I, don't, I, I think I was just looking. I know. Pre-cell phone. It's like, I don't know. I was probably look, looking around the stadium. I don't know. Just, <laughs> I mean, floor laundering. seats was pretty cool. So. Yeah, it was great. And, um, yeah, it's just MJ was just the guy that, for me, just made basketball this, like, you know, this, this, this magical sport, and I, I loved it ever since. Yeah, I, I regret I never got to see him. So I, I mostly grew up in Arizona, big Suns fan, mm-hmm. which these days, God help us. But, um, you know, the, the schedule is you get one visit a year, you know, w- yeah. w- for the Western Conference versus Eastern Conference. And the Suns were great back then, and, of course, the Bulls were what they are. And so the, the, the tickets were just like you had no no chance unless you were willing mm-hmm. to really shell out. So, yeah, yeah it always seems like a... This, the chance to even see a guy like that play in person is is, is a special thing. Yeah. Um, so I guess I don't have to ask you who your all-time favorite player is. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if it is MJ. Yeah. Oh, I, guess I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm a turncoat. Because my favorite <laughs> – MJ was my favorite player absolutely for sure. Yeah. Um, when I was uh, in high school all the way up through college probably. Um, but then the league just started to change. And, you know, I started to fall in love with guys like uh, Penny Hardaway. Yes, I loved his game. I loved just his athleticism, his vision, um, his unselfishness, and and T Mac was another guy that I loved. Um, and it just I kept evolving, you know. Like yeah, I, the, the league is just filled with so many dynamic personalities. Kobe's another guy, just like you know, he's kind of a Mike clone. <laughs> but just watching Kobe was just like, you know, this is a guy who's just like you know, setting the setting, setting yeah, the bar to win and nothing spot. else. Yeah, just like t- having that you know that Mamba mentality and that that killer instinct was just. Not, not too many guys have that. And then these days, you know, it's just, you know, getting to meet some of the players, you know, in your career. Then, of course, you get your new favorites, you know, guys who are just, like, awesome to hang out with. And, you know, Steph Curry meeting him in person, just one of the best guys. And um, so the list goes, and it's, I have a huge list of just my favorite players. Yeah. Yeah, MJ may be the first, That's, first guy. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a valid answer. And Nobody, Pippen, too. Scotty, too. Scotty Pippen. Yeah, I was a big Pippen fan. Nice. Because I was kind of like a, in my play days, I was kind of more of a, more of a playmaker than a scorer. Yeah. So for me, Scotty was like, I was kind of the, the guy I wanted to emulate. All-time great played. defender. I didn't play defense, but yeah. He was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Because uh, looking you up, it looks like, so you got your Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology uh, from the University of Indiana. So I would think maybe video games weren't in your thought process at that point in time. Correct me if I'm wrong. You are not wrong. Um, <laughs> I had no idea, Ryan, what I wanted to be when I, wanted, when I was young. And I would think I was, when I was really young, I think I wanted to be like the CIA agent or something like that. Yeah. Something, you know, with mystique. But I didn't know that game development was like a thing, like a, a job. I always looked at it as like, I don't know, almost like a, a movie, you know, like, oh yeah, there's this, the select few who get to do right. this, this elite job, that, this dream job that I'll never get to touch it, so I'll, I didn't even try but yeah, I didn't know, and going into college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I think I remember, it was like the, maybe the 88 Olympics. I saw um, the special on TV, and it was a sports science segment. And they were showing like the, the physics of, and the, the mechanics of jumping. And it was like showing a volleyball player, Steve Timmons, and David Robinson, and the differences of yeah. how they would, and they mo-capped them and everything. And you, had, you saw the wireframe of them jumping. And I remember... After seeing that, I was like, I loved it. I didn't know what it was exactly, but I loved the idea of studying movement and somehow merging sports with technology. 
So there was something there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, but the closest I could find to it was kinesiology. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll just study this. I didn't know, I didn't know what it was yeah. at the time. So, so what did you think you were going to do then? So throughout college, I think when I started to understand that like, I had to get a real job one day, I think I, I think I was thinking I'd be like a trainer, maybe a physical therapist, yeah. something like that. You know, um, but I didn't really know. I still didn't know through college. I I was kind of lost. I was I spent four you know four out of seven nights playing basketball and volleyball at night, not studying. You know, I wasn't the best student, so I just I loved to play. I was uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know what I wanted to be. So how how did you find your way into the games business then? I know um, I'm not sure if high voltage was your first. Yeah. Gig. Okay. So, yeah. how do you find your way there? So, um, after college, um, well, do you want the full story? I do. That's what this show's okay. all about. It's like I here's I, the full story. I find it fascinating to see. You know, you're you're the gameplay director on one of the most unbelievably successful franchises in all of gaming. I I'm curious where how you get there. Yeah. So I have a I don't know. Maybe it's I don't think there's a standard way into the industry, and um, mine is probably one of the more Strange avenues to get to. An even better story. Do tell. Um, so, like, like I'm saying, I don't really, I didn't know what I wanted to do after college. So, after after school, and I went to school at Indiana University, where, I, where, by the way, these guys know basketball. Like everybody oh, absolutely. there, like high school basketball was like, you know, a national pastime for them. So, just like growing the love of the sport there as well, and, and learning how to play, and taking coaching classes, and some, some of the things you get to do is in that field of study I was mm-hmm. in. Was like getting to like learn from Bobby Knight and stuff sure. like that. So it was just cool, you know. That was, I mean, he was coaching then. Yeah, he, he was, was coaching. There. He, was, yeah. he was our coach um, back then. But um, so after school, I, I moved back home, didn't know what I was going to do. I worked for Ballet Total Fitness as like a trainer for a little while, but that didn't stick because that, that was more like a, almost like a sales job. You know? mm-hmm. I wasn't really into that. And, um, and then I worked as a, at a Hollywood video for a while. So I just didn't know what I was doing with my life. Yeah. And, um, uh, a friend of mine, a friend of my sister's, and a guy that we knew from our church, he, he lived in Chicago, and I think he was just doing me a favor. And he's like, he calls me up and he says, you know, we have a job out here that I could use someone for. Uh, and it was for an IT job at a print design firm in Chicago called VSA Partners. Okay. So I had no other prospects, so I was like, okay, I'll move out to Chicago. So that was, uh, that was that. Went to Chicago, and I was doing IT work for them. And that kind of developed into what, what Jeff would do is he was actually starting web design um, for Harley-Davidson catalogs and stuff like that. And so I would just watch him like, oh, it's really cool. I just got really interested in this whole you know, web development thing. And, and that's when the dot-com was starting to happen, the big boom. Everyone was looking for their website. Yep. So I got into, I just kind of learned HTML and learned how to do some coding. And uh, we kind of developed this, um, almost like this web development group and so we started doing like catalogs and, um, you know, whatever, just all kinds of different things for different clients. Sure. And then eventually we moved, we both moved over to a different company called IXL, which later became Scient. And then, um, so I was doing web design and development for them. And um, in my spare time, I was a huge uh, forum poster on Operation Sports, which is a sports yep, game very website. Familiar, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I met Steve, Steve Noah, he was the owner of the site, and I met him and I was like, you know, I, I, I know some web stuff. I can help you out. And just, you know, I'd, be, I'd love to just help out the site, you know, because I love the site. So I did some coding for him, did some, you know, some improvements to the website, um, designed the first logo that he That's had cool. on the site. And um, so long story short, I'm in the forums all day talking about NBA basketball. That was my thing. That's like the games that I loved. I was talking about all, you know, NBA lives. Still playing ball at night too? All the time. Yeah. So I was just spending my time working during the day, Playing hoops tonight, like pick up ball, stuff like that, right? Yeah. And then surfing the webs and you know forum posting and stuff like that on Operation Sports. It's like all the time. That's all I did. <laughs> and then one day Steve told me he's like, you know, um, high voltage software makes NBA Inside Drive, and it, it just come out with Inside Drive 2002, the first one, the first one. And I thought this, is, this was a pretty good game. I liked it. I was still like a NBA 2K guy back then, mm-hmm. but this is cool. They're they're local, and he said you should go. Maybe you should go talk to them. Just to, you know. Poke them and see, you know, yeah. what, what it's like in the games industry. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I called called uh, Scott Slaby up. He was the executive producer at the time of NBA Inside Drive. And then we just got to talking, and it was kind of trippy because he introduced me to the team, and they all knew me. They were like, oh, you're Baluba. It's <laughs> like, oh, that's kind of weird. But I would post a lot, so they just kind of followed the forums. Yeah. So they knew me, and, and so I talked about all game, all basketball games, all the time on the forum. So and he basically said, you know, we have 
we could use you as like an assistant producer, some guy who could help with the, helps with gameplay awesome. and ideas and manage the roster. That's when I was doing ratings back then. <laughs> so were, were yeah. your forum posts, were you kind of, were, were you maybe even without realizing it, mm-hmm. thinking more, were, were you like critically about the, about the design of, of these games? Was that sort of the, the tone yeah. of your posts? So, I think so. Yeah. Just like your typical forum poster, not really understanding what goes into, web, into but just uh, game development. You know better? I just know, I knew everything. <laughs> you know, I, I like, why, does, why is this the way it is? And I would just post these random th- yeah. thoughts of, why don't they do this instead or this? And so obviously, when you're, when not, when you're not in the industry, your ideas, I mean, sometimes you're just like, you just don't understand, right? You're yeah. naive what to goes what into goes into it, making yeah. games. And I was one of those guys, just like, I don't understand, why is this the way it is? And I would just say these things and... Um, but yeah, I never really was in it to try and get a job. It was just a hobby. You know, I loved talking hoops and talking games. And just, but just but kind of clearly off. your brain was, was wired in the right way to, to sort of learn more about yeah. that. And uh, yet another case in point, as all you know, 30-something episodes of this have, have shown me, that you, you followed that passion sort of fueled... It, it got you noticed, if nothing else, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And I, and there was, like I said, there was never really, I was never posting to get noticed. It was just, you know, it was, what you it was a hobby. And yeah. what I did in my spare time was play these games, and I'd play these games, and I'd be like, I hate this. So I had to vent to somebody. So <laughs> where, where better to, to go than the internet and just vent yourself, you know? So I would just talk about random things. And so, so yeah, they, 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 they wanted some advice on how to change their game. So yeah, NBA Inside Drive was uh, that was part of Microsoft's XSN big sports mm-hmm. initiative back before uh, EA came on and brought a, brought all the EA sports online. Microsoft, oh, we got to have some sports stuff online. Yeah, and yeah, the, I remember them being pretty good. The, there was uh, you know they had football, basketball, and baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, can't remember if there was a hockey game, but anyway. Uh, what, so what what did you learn by by actually? Crossing over onto the dev side yeah. and, and working on uh, uh, the Inside Drive series. A lot. Um, I think for me it was so so eye opening to see just the amount of work that goes into what seemingly looks like a small detail of a yeah. game. And for me, it was just like I was like, "Wow, I had no idea." And I'm trying to think back all these posts I've written over the over the you know, months, <laughs> like regretting them all. Yeah, just like <laughs> how how badly did I rip on someone's work? You know that yeah. just not understanding what goes into it. And so for me, it was just very, really eye opening to see how much blood, sweat, and tears goes into like these small you know small little features and details, and just everything that goes into game development is it blew my mind. And it was just I was just soaking everything in like a sponge. Just um, what game development was, the processes, and you know. Production, design, development, and you know testing, and all these things. And so for me, it was just learning as much as I could uh, for those first couple of years. When uh, so with with that experience on both sides of the fence, do you now do you feel like, or how, how do you view like criticism that'll come in from the two K community? Are, are you able <laughs> to kind of let it wash over you a bit more because you were kind of in those shoes yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have a soft spot for. Um, all my haters on Twitter because I have, and I've got lots. You know, I don't know. Yeah, if you, I don't know where you did your research, but if you Google me, you're probably going to see distracts oh, oh, and was, hate uh, videos. And I, I, w- I wasn't going to bring that up, but yeah, there were <laughs> some of the first po- the first hits for your name were uh, Mike Wang should be fired oh, yeah. from 2K. Yeah. And, I get a yeah. lot of that. <laughs> yeah, because apparently I do everything for 2K. Right. No, so yeah, people don't. I think people don't understand. You know who who. Makes the games. I mean, I'm one person of a you know 200 person team, yeah. and I have a very small part in this giant machine. And so, but I get it. You know, people just they they know my face for whatever reason. They know Ronnie, so they're going to go to us and just vent. But yeah, I have a soft spot for that. Like I think at the end of the day, they just want the best game possible, and you know they're they're spending their hard earned money on something, and they want to have a product that you know is the best it can be. So have you have you you went from apprentice to Jedi master. Have you uh, gone into the into the forums, into the community, and found anyone that reminded you of you, and maybe brought them on? Oh, sure, yeah. You, you've, you've pulled people out of the community. Yeah, I mean, we um, Nino was one of the first ones. The czar, um, Nino Samuel. So he now does kind of our offensive AI. All of our basically runs AI. Yeah. Um, him and Scott have kind of taken that part of the game over, and he is like him and and Scott both 
know X's and O's far better than me. And so he, um, he was one guy that really caught my attention of the guy who just like gets it. You know, he, he understands basketball. He understands team playbooks, um, schemes, all these things that to me were like as a, as a casual viewer, a guy who just watches NBA basketball like a, you know, armchair guy was, um, I was blown away by the knowledge. So we immediately tried to snatch him up to like do all of our plays, create our play systems and everything. So, yeah. Well, you better watch out. Just even that description sounds like some NBA, analytically inclined NBA team will come along oh, and sure. try to steal him. I'm sure they're knocking on his door. <laughs> That's fine. But you know loves our game. He won't. He'll never leave. <laughs> um, so let's see. You joined Visual Concepts in 2004, if I have that correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you think the, the sports video game world has has changed in that time these last 14 years 14 years it's wow um you know when i first got in in the industry it was much more it was simple you know things were everyone kind of looked the same and played the same if you took off the jerseys and took off the you know the skins of the players and you just had skeletons running around you probably wouldn't be able to tell who was who or what team was team what team was what and so I think where it's grown the most is kind of in, and what makes the NBA great is differentiating, you know, your your Simmons, your LeBron, Jimmy, like all these guys have very different games, yeah, uh, very different play styles, very different strengths and weaknesses. And so I think where it's grown the most for me is is trying to separate that. Like every team is playing different, every player plays. Bring out different. the individuality. Yeah, they're kind of like bosses in other games, you know. Like LeBron <laughs> That's a good is, way to put he's it. got skills that other guys don't have. Right. And so to try and bring that into the game and make that like a thing, um, that's that's kind of one of the biggest evolutions I think the game has seen since I first started. So how about from from your perspective as the gameplay director, um, take me back to, you know, we're, we're kind of Maybe nearing the end, or sort of, a cr- we've crested here in the in the Xbox One, PS4 generation. Mm-hmm. When, when you guys moved from 360 PS3 to Xbox One, PS4, what what was the best part of that for you as a gameplay director? Mm. Well, for us, for me specifically, it's always been that design gets driven by technology, and so seeing what. Is that because is that because the game is the game? You're 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 making the game with the game with the same rules every year. Yeah. It's the technology that changes. Yeah. So we've got like kind of the easiest. I was telling you, we have the easiest and the hardest job in the world because it's easy in the sense that we've got a visual target. We've got the NBA. We know everyone knows <laughs> yeah. what basketball is supposed to be like. Um, but for us, the challenge is year after year. How do you make that fresh? How do you make it? How do you pl- make that something that's fun and interesting through the lens of a gamer? Um, so for us, a lot of the time, it's, it's, it's really what can the technology bring to the table that's going to drive us forward and push us forward and allow us to do new things on the court that we haven't been able to do before. So for, that's always one of the big exciting things with a new console jump, that kind of a, just a jump in technology. Yeah. So, so do you remember back any sort of gameplay, any sort of leaps that you were able to, to make from, uh, from last generation to this one? They're, they're probably yeah. far for the course for you now. Yeah, yeah. Here, several years in, five years in. Yeah, that's true. And I think the thing for us, it's 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 so hard to think of them as years, like as like two K seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. You know, it's yeah. Like, we don't think of them that way because we've got like this this roadmap. That's it I was going to ask eternal. you about that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of feels like we've got this end goal, which is perfection, and we just strive toward every try, strive toward that goal every year, and. Um, so it's hard for me to to think of when we hit these milestones because sometimes they hit mid like mid development season and sometimes we don't see that jump until the next game or two games after because we're working on an underlying low level technology or something like that right. that's going to not pay off for a couple of years. Does that make sense? It does. Um, so there's not really one thing. Um, uh, probably one of the bigger ones that I can remember is just advancements in our tools. So we did a lot with um, animation, graphing, and um, kind of trees and, and how to build those dynamically and how to, how to have them be done by producers and not, where everything was engineer driven. You know, it used to be in the old days, if you wanted something done, you're like, write a design on paper basically and hand it to someone and say, please implement this for me. <laughs> yeah. And the way we go about things at VC is we, we kind of spec out what we want or we say, here's a tool that, that could make us be able to build things on our own, right? And so I think that's where we started to, make more strides is like offload the engineers by 
having them not spend time doing all of the hands-on stuff and then push it more on the producers. To and does that allow content. you to then go faster so that then you can maybe make more of the changes on your, your wish list every year? Yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, um, we have... It's more people doing more stuff, more hands-on stuff. So we have, like us, produ- production guys, we can churn out new content, we can kind of change features and build features while our engineers are spending time doing more, like, the heavy lifting and the stuff that's going to be the next, you know, the next iteration of a tool or the next right. iteration of a feature. So what, um, you know, we're, we're coming up on a, a switchover, again, hardware-wise, PS5, the, the Xbox Scarlet stuff's on the horizon. What, what, what are you hoping... New tech will will maybe allow you to do when you because it's got it, it, you've got to kind of salivate a little bit like oh yes I'm gonna get I'm gonna get more overhead to play with here in in a couple of years whatever it is yeah yeah I don't know you know I don't know what those things are I mean it's always it's always nice to have more memory faster processors more cores things like that yeah. but I don't really understand what goes into all that stuff so we've got you know just genius tech guys and guys who run the tools and the engine and what comes out of those, like their work, is really where I see it. Like at the end of the tunnel, is like, oh, well, now we have the ability to do this. And it, it, I don't, I can't say what that would be right now. Sure, because it's something that I probably haven't thought of. <laughs> um, sometimes it's just like new physical model, like a new physical model or a new way to, I don't know, I don't know, performance. It could be a lot of things. Yeah, um, but it's when it's presented to us, then we get to then go into our little lab and be like, oh, how can we use this new piece of technology to push the genre forward? And so that's where it gets really exciting right? on the design side. Do, uh, you kind of touched on this already, but when, <laughs> when, you're, when you're going every year, like mm-hmm. clockwork, NBA 2K, every ships every September, basically every year now, um, do, do, are, do any of the games end up standing out in your mind for good or bad like oh 2k14 was the oh god that was the thing or or gosh yeah 2k17 was was this yeah or or does it all just sort of blur together for you for me personally it blurs together um because every night i'm seeing something different so for us it's like improvement improvement oh something broke something broke something broke improvement 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 and then that's all year long we see that and then at some point we're like okay the game's done stamp it and then that's kind of like the version, right? right? And then we don't stop. We just keep going. And then, so for us, it's, at least for me, I, I, it's, they don't stick out so much as, you know, the daily development cycle. It's like, it's nothing really pops out as being like, you know, here's one year that was just right here and another year that just fell off. Or it was kind of just, you know, it's always ongoing. And every game, I feel like, improves. Um, sometimes we take steps back, steps back in certain areas and, and, and whatever, but yeah. But there were some that stick out. I mean, 2K11 sticks out. Yeah, that's... Um, <laughs> and that's one because that's when I came back to VC, and that's when MJ was back Jordan, in yeah. games for the first time in however long that was. And so it was a special year, that one. Um, my first title, NBA Inside Drive 2003, will always stick out as being like an accomplishment in my life to have my first game yeah. published. And but yeah, other than that, it's I do. Have, yeah. Do you ever play it? Just for no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like do you just I, I look have back it on a shelf it. somewhere. Or? Yeah, you know, I, it, it's it's funny. Like people ask me that all the time. Like, do you? I know. Do you go and play the game every year? And I was like, I kind of don't because I have my dev kit. And I get so excited for every little change. Yeah. And literally the day the day we, we ship 2K19, the next day I'll be like trying to look, look, on, look at something for 2K20. And right. It's different. It's, all of a sudden the game is no longer the same for me. So I'm, I'm most excited just to keep playing on the dev, the dev software, the dev kits. And, you know. Do you keep a, so do, do you have to do you just keep a, an original Xbox at home that works? Just in case you ever want to fire up Inside Drive. Yeah, I don't have an original Xbox. I couldn't even play if I wanted to. I oh, and get, let's get this man a, an original Xbox, just in case. Or you got to petition uh, the backwards compatibility team, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other ball Please of support. wax. Please support Inside Drive 2003. Um, so you mentioned it's, it's almost, gosh, it's, it's almost like you're seeing my questions, even though I know you're not, because you went exactly where I wanted to go next, which was you, you left for a short while, mm-hmm. and you went to, you went, to the crosstown rivals, yeah. the uh, the folks down at EA, and, and you worked on NBA Live. I'm sort of curious, you know, if, I mean, without getting too personal necessarily, but but uh, 
Why? Why? Uh, what? What made you want to? You know, you've been at 2K for a while. What? Uh, what made you want to try something else? Yeah. Well, I'd only been at 2K for two years. Two. Okay. So two I, years. I was there for 2K7 and 2K8. Basically, okay. I got there at the end of 2K6. Yeah. But seven and eight were uh, were under my belt at that point, and um, I don't know. I think I hit kind of a a rookie wall. Um, I had never been at any company for longer than two years, mm-hmm. really, up until that point. And so I was kind of in this position of, like, I wonder what else is out there. And just naively thinking, actually, here's my, my twisted thinking. Do it. Twisted thinking was, I was looking at where NBA Live was, and I felt like they were you know, behind us yes. in a lot of ways. And I was like, but also, like, you look at my, I was looking at my own team, and like, eh, there's some things that I wish we would do differently, or wish we had, we could be different in some ways. And, and so 2K8 for me was kind of a, a tougher year, because 7 was exciting for me. I was, you know, there's a lot of things that I was really excited that we were doing, and then 2K8 was a little more of a struggle. And I was like, I wanted, my twisted thinking was, if I could go to, to EA and I could shore up gameplay, then maybe there'd be like this really heated rivalry between 2K and Live again, and then it would push the basketball genre forward. Wow, you're like an and evil so, mastermind of, uh, of was, basketball, that's, that's but, my, but with a good my, heart. <laughs> that's so cool. That's I what love, I was thinking. I love that, that you admitted that. I mean, that, not that you admit that like it's a bad thing, but yeah. that's cool. I was, I was, that, you, that, that's what I was thinking, yeah, that I could kind of push basketball forward if I just kind of helped the other team almost. You know? Well, you did. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you might not say it, but I'm allowed to say it because I'm a critic and that's what I do. Uh, live 10 was regarded as the best live in many years because I, w- I was playing the games at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you went back. <laughs> you did go back. to. So do they, not that they were necessarily dying without you in a sense, but like, do they back up the Brinks truck and say, "Mike, we, we got to have you back, man. We miss you." Or, or is oh, it? Oh no, no, no. They were, they were, they What's were. the comeback story? <laughs> 2K was fine without me. I'll <laughs> put it right there. Um, wow. So the unfiltered version. I can't, I can't give you the completely unfiltered version, but so um, Live Ten was was a was a good. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. When I went to EA, I was, I immediately regretted it, to be honest. Really? When I first went there, because I had gotten so accustomed to how we did things at Visual Concepts. Yeah. And I loved the way we made games there. And so when I got to EA, it was for me, it was like this, almost like this shock of a new way to make games, and I, I didn't like it. Um, and it's not, you know, a, a, you know a, a, nothing against them. Nothing against them. It's just for me, it didn't fit. Like the way they made games just didn't fit. And so um, I tried to make the, the best of it. And um, one thing that helped was uh, after NBA Live 09 shipped, uh, Sean O'Brien took over the, the reins as yeah. the line producer of NBA Live. And he's one guy that I really saw eye to eye with. He's, so running, he's, like, he's running the show now. Yeah, yeah. he's running the show, and he's, he's telling me, you know, Mike, you have, like, you know, you have full reign to just do what you want to do with gameplay, and let's just bring live back. And so for me, Live 10 was that year where I tried to shift the culture of the EA way a little bit more toward what I was used to, and, um, and I think, like you said, I think it, it worked. I think we made some good strides that year. Um, but at the, still at the heart of it, I, I kind of missed 2K. I missed, like, the way we did things. Yeah. And, and the way it went down was at the end of Live 10, I think the, the executive team at EA was like, you know, we need to do something different or make, a, you know, make bigger changes to really make this a, a race between 2K and Live again. And so they, um, we got this announcement that Sean was leaving the team. So he was getting moved to another position. And I was like, oh, well, so that was the first red flag for me. I was like, because Sean was my guy. He's the yeah. guy that we, we just connected well and we, like, we were on the same page with games. And so he was leaving. 
and they were bringing some new leadership in. I was like, okay, that's kind of, I don't know, I wasn't too happy about it at the time, but see where this goes. Sure. So I met with them a little bit, and they're like, well, here's some things you want to try with the game. And I was like, then it was just red flags all over for me. Just like, these are, I don't think these are good. I just completely disagreed with the direction that yeah. they wanted to go. So for me, it was like, okay, I had a choice to make. I can stick this out, try to kind of fight against what I think these guys are doing wrong, or I could you know, run my tail between my legs and go back to VC. And so I, I contacted Greg Thomas, and I basically said, you know, I'm sorry I left, and if you want to you know, bring me back, I could, I could, I could, I'll do my best to make it you know, a good decision for you. So um, he very graciously took me back, and that was that. That takes a lot of humility and, and courage, I think, to to probably make that call, right? If you, if you were the one, if you know they're not, if it's coming from you as opposed to them begging to have you back, if you're you're trying to go back, yeah, I mean that's that's not a, that's got to be not an easy thing to do. It, it wasn't, and you know I think it made it worse just the way I left. Um, probably my biggest regret in my career is the way I left BC because I didn't really give them a chance to like change the things that I thought would happen or like yeah. give, I just kind of just like I was very non-confrontational at the time. You know, so I didn't really even tell anyone that I was leaving. I just kind of like, I just randomly said, I'm putting my two weeks in and I'm going to leave. Didn't tell anyone anything, you know. So it's probably the biggest regret I have is how I left. And so for Greg to, you know, take me back in, for me it was like prodigal son returning. And these last nine, ten years for me have been like all about, I'm going to make sure you will never regret this decision. So I've kind of worked every every day with that kind of mentality of I need to pay back this this debt that I've created yeah. or whatever you know, and also kind of upset with EA for what they did to me there too. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna try and bury you guys now. Because, <laughs> you know, we we moved our family, we moved our family up to Vancouver. Just like all these changes, you know. So yeah. it was like a, it was a it was it wasn't a tough decision at all. It was like some, I really wanted to go back. Yeah. Um, maybe a tougher decision for Greg and, and Jeff to bring me back, but um, I'm glad they did, and I think it worked out. What? Um, so uh, it's clear what you learned about yourself mm-hmm. during during that time of, of going to EA and coming back. What did you learn about about th- making the game, and mm-hmm. and what did you learn like professionally mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. at EA, either you know good or bad, that that maybe has has served you yeah. uh, in in your in your second stint now. Probably different ways of managing people. Uh, I think that was something that was very different over at EA than it is at Visual Concepts, and good ways and, and good good ways and bad ways. So for me, looking back on the whole EA experience, I wouldn't say I regret going, just because I think I grew a lot yeah. um, professionally and as a person from going there. And I met a lot of great people. I mean, some the the guys on the NBA Live team, a lot of the guys I worked with were just amazing. And um, met some great friends outside of work as well. And so the Vancouver experience for me was something I don't know. If I, 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 I don't know. It's, a, you know. it's a tough thing to think if I would do it again. Um, but yeah, just learning how to manage people differently. Um, just different practices in terms of game development uh, that were good and bad at EA. I think I've tried to adopt the good ones mm-hmm. and reject the bad ones. And... Um, kind of mix what Visual Concepts does well and what EA does well and try to make that kind of the way we, we run gameplay. Yeah, that, your, that professional story in your life kind of reminds me, like, I, I got divorced in my 20s when I married young, divorced, and it's like, it was the worst experience I've ever had. It was the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life, mm. but I actually wouldn't take it back because I learned so much about myself. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, it, your, your story reminds me of that. Like yeah. there's, that you're, you seem like you're better off as a certainly professionally and maybe even personally as well for having gone over and seen the other side and, and sort of had that all different perspective on your on your career. Yeah, it was definitely a, a grass is greener moment for me going to EA. Yeah, and just seeing I matured a lot I think out of that whole thing. And you know I look back on too on what what happened through it. I don't know what the basketball you know gaming landscape would look like if I never left. Maybe it would be. I'm sure it'd be different. I don't know how you know if it'd be different in a good way or a bad way. Yeah. But it would be different. And um, another thing that 
going to EA is I met some really good guys. And even two of the guys I were closest with, Ben Hester and Eric Perrier, they ended up coming over to Visual Concepts a couple of years after I left. And they've made a huge impact on NBA 2K. So NBA 2K has also just, just by their presence, has grown by leaps and bounds in different ways too. Yeah. So there's, you know, I can't, it's interesting, you know, how things went down. Uh, but at the end of the day, where we are now and where NBA 2K is now, I, I think I can't say I'd change anything. What's, uh, is there a rivalry, would you say, or is that more of kind of a fan thing because there are two simulation mm-hmm. NBA basketball games? I think it's more of a fan thing. Yeah. I think we've, we've never really, I mean, we'll look at what they're doing. And I'm sure they're looking at what we're doing. And, but I, I don't think we ever really, when I was at EA, it was more of it. It was more yeah. of like a, underdog take down, yeah, yeah, how can we take down 2K? And, you know, what do you know about 2K? And I, I would never say anything like, <laughs> well, here's how you take 2K down. I, I never, because I was, my mindset was, let's push the basketball genre forward. Let's have a, a healthy rivalry, right. right? That was my thinking. So I was never, I've never thought that. I've never thought like, I want to be like the lone NBA basketball game and bury all the competitors because... That wouldn't be any fun, would it? I, I don't know. I, for me, it wouldn't be as much fun. I mean, we're, it, it sounds like you're, you're not taking any uh, gross, you know, uh, grandstanding over, over their, you know, the, the big struggles when they were gone for a couple of years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, or, or were you? Were you kind of running around going, we did it. We buried them. Like what? I don't what, know. I, what was that period the first like? Year, I'll say the first year was, was a little satisfying. At least for me, it, was, it validated that I made the right Just decision. Personally. Personally, because like, yeah. what would ha- if I had stayed, what would have happened? You know, would, have, would Elite have shipped? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe, not, maybe not. But um, I mean, it was, did it was, I, got, <laughs> I reviewed it for OXM, and then they, remember, they pulled it, it unshipped. Like, last second. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess as developers, you probably got to feel for them a little bit when, when like the demo comes out and mm-hmm. the whole Bynum T pose thing turns into like that. That's professionally, I'm sure you're like you just you just feel for them at that point when when something goes just gets twisted off into the into this. Yeah, monstrous thing. It changed. You know, some some guys have a very killer killer <laughs> mentality, where they're like they want to step on EA's throat, and there's that rivalry there. But a lot of us are like, especially for me. I mean, I knew those guys. Yeah. They're, they were my ex teammates, right? And I knew what they went through with that year, and I was like, I felt bad. It was just a bad year for them, a lot yeah. of guys. And so I was kind of like, yeah, I was I was happy, but I wasn't happy at the same time. Who the so. Five on five pickup game down at the YMCA. Mm-hmm. Five five uh, visual concepts guys. Yeah. Five live guys. Who wins? Well, we'd win for sure for now. <laughs> um, there were some really good runs at EA though. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, because not surprisingly, but it's a big company, and so there were a lot of non NBA guys who were played who played pickup hoops. Yeah. Like guys from like FIFA and hockey and stuff. They were playing, and so it would have been a good it would have been a good matchup. But we have. Um, 2K basketball, I think some of our best players are just, we're just getting old. I say we, I'm part of the, I'm old. So we, I think we'd get, we'd get squashed now, but yeah, I mean, it'd be a good matchup. For gamers, that's good. It's good because you're a veteran team. You've been together for a long time. Yeah, right? yeah. The te- yeah. When you're in visual concepts, I think the, the team has been, everyone there is kind of a lifer. You know, uh, Greg Thomas won the Industry Icon Award. Yes. And the one thing that he always says about VC is it's all about family. And which is totally true with visual concept because the people there, everyone is like, you feel like you're with your brothers, you know, and your sisters. We have a lot more women now, but yeah, it's just like that's your family. And so it's uh, we've been together for a long time. That's great to hear. Yeah. Um, so when uh, when you start selling 10 million copies a year, which which happened recently, that the series has continued to grow, and now you're an eight figure annual mm-hmm. game. Uh, you got that. That, that debt to Greg's repaid, right? And don't you, you probably you got to be able to get a little little uh, piece of that for yourself, right? Get a get a, a nice. Uh, is there like a you guys got to have like a cool bonus or something for <laughs> ten million copies a year? They take care of us. They take really good care of us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would hope just with yeah. like ten million every year. I mean, that's that's like you can't make the shareholders happier than that, yeah. <laughs> and the bosses happier than that. Yeah, you know, it's it's like I said before though, it's we um I'm in my little cave. Yeah. My game development cave and I'm just working on the game, just working on making the game better every day. 
So for me, that stuff is just like, oh, it's like, wow. Like, we're all just, we, at the end of the day, we, the developers, all of us, we just sit around and we, we talk about sales. We don't even hear about sales really often until there's like an article or something. On right. It. And they're like, oh, wow, we did really well this year. But um, it's, I guess it's a pride point, but at the same time, it's like, we're just making games. Come on, you, got, you really don't think about being like the, the biggest thing in the entire 2K portfolio? And I, I would say take two, except, you know, Rockstar will ship a thing every five <laughs> years that does $100 million, But, yeah. like, basically in that time, I guess in five years you've done, <laughs> you do $50 million. So, I mean, you guys are the biggest thing that 2K has. Yeah. That there's, you guys don't think about that at all? I don't know. I don't, I don't think about it at all. I, I really yeah. don't. I just don't. I Especially don't know. as com- you said, you're, competitive, you're a competitive team. You know, you're making a competitive yeah. Uh, sport. Yeah. We are, but I think there's so, ma- so many of us would do it if we were selling 100,000 copies. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's the thing. I think it's the difference yeah. is that we, you know, my, my process every year is to work on the game all day, go home, eat dinner, hang out with my family a little bit. And then I'll just play, boot the game up and play some more and just test and tweak and, and tinker. And I do it every night. And that's just the way that I've been doing games. Um, I know a lot of the guys on the team do the same thing. We just kind of just keep working. And I think it's not like an obligation or it's not like a, you know, something that we feel like we have to do or you know, we're getting trouble you love or something. It. We just love it. And that's, you know, I think every game developer who's worth the salt is going to tell you the same thing, that they'd be doing this if there was no money involved. They'd be making games because it's their hobby, it's their passion, it's their love, and that's what they want to do. So we just do it. And, you know, if you do your job well, then I guess you get rewarded. Could, uh, could you have foreseen the day, the day that you're selling 10 million units a year? I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We work, we work so hard. I yeah. think it's... I don't really understand it. Like the, I'm not a marketing guy. I don't look at the numbers. Right. I don't look at like, you know, the penetration and all that. It's all the overseas growth. A lot of it, yeah, though, too, isn't it? Like the NBA, the, like the league itself the has league become itself. so yeah. big internationally. Yeah. And you guys, by virtue of making an awesome game every year, mm-hmm. have, have been able to benefit a lot from that. Yeah, that's absolutely. Like, you've probably got more global players than ever these days. Yeah. And that's absolutely the thing. You know, the we have the extreme fortune of working with the NBA. One of the most, the most exciting league, in my opinion, um, just to watch. And yeah. so, when you have the league growing in leaps and bounds, or by leaps and bounds in popularity, like you're saying globally, then so long as we can stick to making a decent game, it's going to probably take off with it. So, yeah. So I have, a, I have a few more questions for you. I'll let you go soon out of the out of the hot seat. But for me, I you know I've never made a game, but I've I've covered them for a very long time, mm-hmm. uh, and to me, I feel like game developers, uh, specifically sports game developers, might have one of the toughest, most thankless jobs in the games industry in that it is, you are just on such a schedule. Uh, do you have, does it work out to roughly nine, ten months of development a year because of pre production and then just like QA stuff at the end? Like, what, what is the, what is the, Core, what does like sort of the general schedule look like? I, I think it's important for gamers yeah. who play the game. I mean, yeah, they, they should get their sixty dollars worth, but like help them understand, help me understand, sort of like what does that look like for you when you when you to go from two K eighteen to two K nineteen and now nineteen to twenty? Like, right. Well, we have uh, I think I alluded to it earlier. We have kind of a part of the team who's going to be working on something that may be multi year. Yeah. So they're going to go, they're off kind of in a silo, and they're just working on new tech or whatever it is. Right. Um, so they're kind of looking forward to the future. Um, but for the main team, what it usually looks like is around, um, around this time, around maybe early, around ship, is when we start talking about the next version a little okay. bit. And so we start to split our time maybe 50-50 as the game hits store shelves. Then we start looking at more like we'll spend a little more time on Twitter and forums and getting feedback and, and looking at, well, what needs to be patched? What are, what are people you know, wanting to see different and to see change? And so we're splitting our time kind of with that and we're talking about new ideas for the next game. And that goes on for maybe a couple months. Okay. Um, while some of our engineers will probably just start going on new tech because we know early on, like we'll know um, near final that, oh, here's something that we should really try for next year. Yeah. You know, and so we'll, say, we'll have them, the engineers jump on it right away. So we, they kind of get a head start. 
Well, for maybe a couple of months through like the winter, we're, we're talking a lot of design and uh, what could we change, and we're starting to prototype some things and just, just throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks. We do in our we do motion capture um, a week of the year, oh, sorry, a week of the month, every month. Oh wow! And that's ongoing, so we don't really take a month off there ever. And so, for, and when that when that's happening, that's that's also kind of part of the prototyping process of like, you guys just play, play basketball, and what are we missing? You know, what are we not capturing right? And so, a lot of it is just just exploring, you know, in those winter months. Yeah. And then we start to buckle down, kind of like lock down a feature set. Early in the early you know part of the new year, and then we're going hard up until um, spring, and then summer hits, and that's when we hit crunch, and crunch is when we start going really hard, and then that goes till you know about the fall when we when we ship. So you kind of do you like do you feature lock in the summertime, and then just start start yeah. ironing things out till I think, yeah we'll try to well you know what that's one thing that's that's different about visual concepts is we don't have these hard milestone dates uh, that other companies might have yeah so we'll go. Well, I'm going to talk for gameplay because that's my, my area. So we, we'll go and we'll kind of iterate on things. And sometimes an idea will pop up late. Like I'm talking like right before we like August? the first party. Yeah, maybe like August, <laughs> July maybe. Yeah. Um, and we'll like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And we'll, so we'll start to pursue some new ideas where we can. And so we're, we're very fluid that way. And that's one of the things I love about our team is that we've got engineers who like, are excited to try new things. And they'll be willing to, to like, you know jump on a new idea really late in the cycle. And sometimes those are our best ideas. They come real late sometimes. Hmm. Um, but so we don't, we try not to like be too rigid with like, here's our feature set. This is all we're doing. Done. Yeah. A lot of times it's like, here's our feature set. Oh, that's interesting. This feature set or this feature that we were working on kind of bled into this other one that we want to pursue. And now that's going to be like a back of the box thing. So it always, it's very fluid and very iterative. Is there an example of that off the top of your head? Something that like popped up super oh, late man, that, that ended uh, up being super cool for... In the last two, three years? I'm trying to remember. I know you <laughs> said it all blurs together for you, so <laughs> it, I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, but. it always does. <laughs> the Pro Stick was one that came really yeah. late. Um, so the Pro Stick was the idea of having, because we had the shot stick for a long time, mm-hmm. and then we wanted dribbling on the right stick as well. And then it was like a, it was one of those shower days. I was having one of those shower moments of like, huh. I wonder if we could kind of just put them both there and they could live there together. And that was really late. This was like summer. Yeah. And we're like, oh, let's just try it. So I asked um, Ben, our, one of our engineers, to try this out. And he just he whipped it up in like a couple hours. And like, this kind of works. And so we started to pursue that more and iron it out through, through, through the end of the summer. And it became like one of the things. Wow, that's cool. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's happened. it happens every year, I think. Something will happen. And sometimes it's not back of the box, but it'll be like, oh, that's like one of the biggest things that we're going to, you know, push to our users yeah. this year let's uh yeah what like. uh so h- how far out does the roadmap go whether I, it sounds like maybe more on the tech side but yeah like is there sort of a rolling i guess for you with on the gameplay side mm-hmm. do you keep like a all right is it like a two-year thing like okay, if we don't get to it this year it rolls into next year or is it like a three-year do you how how far do you like to sort of yeah. map things out i say the tech goes at least three years but for for design and what we're trying to tackle it's more the one to two, maybe. Okay. Yeah, it's usually we can usually tackle what we want to tackle in a year, or at least part the way there. So we'll talk about things in like here's the bronze version of it, silver version of it, gold version of it, and sometimes we'll get to like silver and be like, ah, this is not quite ready. Let's hold it off for the next year. Okay. So we, we'll kind of work towards things instead yeah. of say like we must finish this by this date so it can be out for the next game. You know, we don't really do that. We kind of just go and then. What makes it in makes it in. Are you guys able to, that, that just makes me think, um, do you guys have a tough crunch? Like are there 18-hour days kind of thing for, for a period? Or, or mm-hmm. you mentioned, too, being a veteran team that's been together for a long time. Or have you kind of all evolved to a point where you've got a pretty decent work-life balance throughout the, the calendar year? Yeah, and I think it, well, like I told you, I don't think I have a work-life balance because it's, like, it's, like, it's become <laughs> the hobby. It's become like I can't sleep if I don't. But at least you can go home. Night, but I can go home. Yeah. And I live really close to, to work. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, we've been doing it for so long. And like you're saying, like, it's industry vets. I mean, everyone who's at NBA 2K has been doing this for, I don't know, most of the guys have been there for at least 10 years. So, or, you know, around there. But anyways, the, we, we know what it takes to get a game done. And um, I think we've had the fortune of never having to say, Okay, everyone must stay here this weekend to finish. So it's never been mandated. 
Good. Um, but it's one of those things where everyone is kind of like, you know, some people just work at different schedules. Some people work nine to five all year long, and that's their thing. But they'll they'll be getting stuff done all year long, and they'll be steady. There's some guys who are like, okay, I'm going to just kind of take it a little easier during the holiday time, and then as spring and summer hits, I'm going to go 100%, 200%, and they'll work ridiculous just to get things done. Right. And then they'll reward themselves with a nice, you know, so they'll, they'll do kind of this thing. Um, and it's all over the place. It's really, well, you know, we, we try to let people, at least on my team, we try to let them work whatever fits their work-life balance and whatever their, you know, whatever's going to nice. fit. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, I think we have a team where everyone under, understands that, and this is the thing about visual concepts, if you aren't that guy, if you're there to just kind of do a nine-to-five and collect a paycheck, you're just not going to survive there. Um, you won't be, you know, you're not going to be one of our key guys. And so you won't get features. You won't get, you know, responsibilities. And, and I think our team all understands that. This, our team is, you know, a team that's like, I'm excited to take this on, and I'm going to, you know, do it 100%, and it's going to be great. And some of those guys will take a 9 to 5, do it all year to get there. Some guys will just crunch super hard to get there. Some guys will work all day, all night, just because they want to. <laughs> but it's one of those things where, yeah, I think it's, Visual Concepts have never, has never really been that place. It's like, okay, here's your schedule. Here's your core hours. You make these hours. Here's your overtime schedule. Do these hours. And, Good. Yeah, yeah. I love hearing that. It's really healthy. It's a, it's really, it's a great place to work, and it's, it's a testament to how Jeff and Greg, they've been around the industry for so long, that they know how to run a team. They know how to you know, keep morale high, and they reward us really well. You know, we have a lot of good food during the crunch <laughs> summers. And What's, how, how much has the team grown from when you, let's say when you uh, well, yeah, first started, 2004. Or, oh, okay, well, two, yeah, 2K7. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah how, how much? Because you, know, you said it's about 200 people now. Yeah. I don't, you remember how, what it was? It was tiny. Because we were in a little building um, in San Rafael. It might, it might be double than what it wow. used to be. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the numbers. Because, um, again, I'm just, just gameplay, so, and I can speak for my team. Our team is more than doubled. Um, even now, even this year, we've added like three or four new guys, um, really strong engineers to our team. So they're they're some of them a little more junior, but super excited to be in gameplay. Um, so it's uh, yeah, the team's growing, and because the game's growing, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and every year it just gets bigger and bigger. Do you, do you find it interesting, maybe even a little bit funny, how the real life league? has almost become a bit more video gamey in that like it's you know scoring is way up yep. and you've got guys that are that are that put up I mean Russell Westbrook <laughs> that's not Westbrook that he's not up here but um, put up puts up video game numbers like yeah. an average is a triple double all season yeah i think there's a <laughs> at one point people were making fun of us because Steph Curry was outperforming <laughs> his video game character and i'm like oh that's kind of sad <laughs> Um, yeah, it's you know it's it's interesting. I wonder if I wonder that sometimes. I wonder if the league. And a lot of these guys, they're young. You know, a lot of these guys have grown up playing two K. I wonder if I know some of them mentioned it to me that like I used to kind of scout players, right? I used to see what kind of worked in two K, and then bring that and added it to my game. And yeah. some guys would come into motion capture and be like, "Oh, I learned this move in two K," and I thought that was just hilarious. Like we would somehow <laughs> teach an NBA player a move. Like, that's, that's really wild. But yeah, maybe that's. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they. I think the league has been. I don't know. Lost my train of thought. Well, flip, flip. Let me flip the question around too. Have you found it difficult at all in the gameplay department to adapt NBA Two K to that ever evolving nature mm-hmm. of the league itself, the real life league? Yeah, it's really tough. I think because when you look at guys like Giannis, who just breaks the game, because <laughs> he's a guy that can dunk all over people, all the time, whenever he wants to, it feels like. You have Steph Curry, who shoots really no, bad no, shots. No, rain, no limit to his just range. No limit, just like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You could be right here, and he still hits it right in your, you know, <laughs> hits right in your face. So there's, those, those guys have kind of made things difficult for us because they break the rules. And with game design, you kind of have to have rules, or else your players get confused, and you know, they don't know what to expect, and you've lost kind of the competition factor there. Um, but it's a cool challenge, you know, to try, to try and figure out how do we replicate Steph Curry, how do we replicate Giannis or LeBron um, without creating these demigods in the game. So we, we <laughs> wrestle with that a lot. 
How often, uh, how often does the your your two K crew hit the court and and play during the, you know. I'm sure maybe it varies over development, but yeah. how often do you guys like to hit the gym and, and actually play? Less these days. Um, we used to play twice a week, and then some guys would play in a league, um, you know, a few nights a week. So some of them still play. Some of the younger guys still play. <laughs> but um, I retired a while back just because I kept getting hurt. But uh, yeah, they, I think enough guys still. Any still like play. any notable? Like good story kind of injuries in those games over the oh. years. <laughs> Scary ones. I had one where I was right behind a guy who was going for a rebound, and he went up like this, yep. grabbed the ball, and and they kind of spiked it down to the floor. And I was standing right there. It hit me in the thumb, and my thumb popped, and it went like this. Oh. So I'm looking at my thumb it like oh, no. this. You need that for like, video game design. And it didn't. Yeah, it didn't hurt. That much because it was like I think it was a shock thing. Yeah, and I was like, "Huh, that's no good." And I tried to put it back; it wouldn't move. And I was like, "That's pretty bad." So I went to the hospital, and they, you know, they tried to fix it. But I was in a cast for a long time, and and you don't realize how hard it is to make games when you're trying to play like this Ooh. with the controller. It was, it was awful. Oh man! So that was just that was one of the last injuries I had. Where I was like, "Okay, I probably shouldn't do this as much." And, any any Achilles blowouts or anything from oh, anybody? Man. <laughs> Guys coming in on weird. crutches. Um, Nothing too well. We had a we had a we had a knee injury to one of our engineers this past couple uh, past you know, a couple months ago. It happened. Yeah. It happens, but sometimes it's good because like <laughs> some guys will get hurt and they'll get hurt and they'll be stuck at their desk all day working. So they can't leave anymore. They can't stuck. leave anymore. You just yeah. got done talking about how good the work life balance was. <laughs> you can't say that. Yeah, you know. It's good. <laughs> um. All right, let's see. I, I'll, we'll try and end, end on, a, on something to maybe get your juices flowing a little bit. Like, w- with the advent of, of games as services now, everything is, is like a long tail, always living kind of thing. You know, development effectively never ends. So ultimate try-your-brain question do you ever take a vacation? <laughs> do you, and where do you like? Do you like to go someplace that just doesn't even have internet mm-hmm. service? What's, how do you, how do you uh, how do you like to try and uh, reset yourself from time to time? Um, yeah, probably should do more of it. We, I'm gonna go see my family this this next next week for the holidays. Yeah, so that'd be really nice. Gonna go to Chicago and then St. Louis. Um, so that'd be a lot of fun. But. We, um, yeah, we try to get away at least once a year. Usually all, all our vacations tend to be in the winter months because that's when we're slowest. Sure. So it's usually over Christmas break or something. We'll go. Our family does a lot of cruises. Nice. So we'll go and just eat too much food. And, <laughs> and I try to do cruises in the summer, and that's been disastrous because we have, uh, you know, my email's going crazy with people. And I, we're not, you know, we just, you're not supposed to leave when your team's <laughs> crunch hard. So but I've, done it, I've done it like once or twice, and it's been disastrous because you're on that cruise internet. It's super slow, and you can't like... You can't get away. Yeah, and, and I feel like I'm just constantly trying to like, uh, I, got, I don't know, you know, I can't, I can't really rest. So, yeah. But winter is uh, winter, kind of good. a good time for us. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Mike Wang, thank you so much. This thank was you, a real man. pleasure. We didn't get to talk about my first games. Oh, well, we have time. We, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> no, I, like, I love when your segments, because you're asking, like, oh, what were the first games you played? I was like, I was trying to think, oh, man, what are those first games? Because ColecoVision. ColecoVision. Wow, that is, that is, you don't look that old. You I'm can't old. be that old. I'm old. Oh, no, but it's like, it's the DOS games I used to play first. Yeah. Like Winter Games, Epic, Summer Games, and there was this game, I was trying to remember what it was. Sierra, have you ever played Sierra Championship Boxing? And it was like, rings a bell. It was the best game ever. You, you could be Rocky, and there was a there was a kangaroo you could box. It was fantastic. And then there was a one on one Jordan versus no no, no Doctor J versus Larry Bird one on one. And that's one of the first games you could break a backboard. Janner would come in with a broom and sweep it up. It's great. <laughs> it's just sports. Vision, yeah. go, you, it's it was it was always there in your yeah in your in your in your bones. Yeah, you didn't even realize it. It's baseball it's games sports a lot games. back then. 
Yeah, RBI yeah. baseball. Yeah, all those old, yeah. old, old King Griffey Jr. Yeah, loved it. <laughs> Genesis was, a, I mean, Lakers vs. Celtics, oh, all those games. And Genesis, was, they, the, the EA Sports games were better on Genesis, right? They were fantastic. That, games, was, the, that was the place to be. Yeah. I had a USA Basketball. Uh-huh. The, 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 you know, they the dream, adapted the Dream Team. team. Yeah. Like you just like, crush everyone. Yeah. And it really was like video game. Real life was just like a video game oh, in, that, in that regard, yeah. NBA Showdown in college was a big one for us. We yeah. played that with, I mean, our roommate would, would play and keep stats. Yeah. And then um, when the Dreamcast came out, NBA 2K first hit. I remember yes. that was like, that was the, that that was was the, the moment. game that captured, yeah, captured the essence of hoops. And I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so that's it. Well, uh, we'll look forward to NBA 2K20 come, you know, late September, early October. Yep. We know it'll happen like clockwork. You don't even have to, like, pretend to not be allowed to announce release dates. <laughs> we already know. We already know it's going to happen. And we are working on some stuff, Ryan, that I'm really excited about for 2K20. So I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah, I There's like that. There's some really cool stuff. I'll tell you, I, we're my on. favorite part of the, uh, of the, for sports games, especially for 2K and this, I love the year one and year two of a new console. Mm-hmm. Because, like, year one, usually the, the tech's insane. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap, look at this. Wow. And then usually, like, year two will kind of refine more on the gameplay side off of after that new tech. Yeah. So I'm... I'm uh, in 2K21 myself. No, no disrespect to 2K20. I'll, we'll see what you got. Yeah. But I'm, I'm looking at 2K21. It's a good bet. <laughs> you know, every year it's going to get better. So, yeah, it's a safe, safe thing to say. 2K22 is going to be even better than that. Right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, Mike Wang, the longtime gameplay director at, N, uh, at, at Visual Concepts on the NBA 2K franchise. Thanks so much for coming and telling your, your career story Uh, I loved hearing it. It was a real pleasure. For more from the best, brightest, most fascinating minds in the games industry, check back every month for a new interview uh, right here on IGN Unfiltered. You can find them on IGN, YouTube, or your favorite podcast service as well. Please subscribe, like, share, the whole thing. Uh, And I appreciate you watching. We'll see you next time. Hey folks, I'm Yen. And I'm Nat. And we're the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. Comic Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me. And people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them. What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them. What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to. You're welcome. The reason for that is that every episode, I make Nat read one of my favorite comics, like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer. And then he tells me what makes that comic so special. And then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now. With new episodes every two weeks. Wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last season. Nat, there will forever be more comic than you will ever know. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds profound, though. Right?